Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, in this video, I'm going to be talking about pretty much every book that's helped me. I'm going to start with one of the first books that I've read, The 4-Hour Workweek. I'm going to breeze through the ones that I've mentioned loads of times. So this book taught me that... You should not be working in a environment in which your input equals output. If you are judged on your input, input equals like input is like the work that you're doing, right? So if you're working in customer service, the work that you do for an hour gets you the output of eight pounds. So if we times the input by 40, 40 hours a week, then you'll get the output, which is eight times 40, which is fuck 320. So 320 pounds a week. And this is the book that really, I read this before I had even worked like a full-time job or anything. I read this just before I got my first full-time job. And it, this book, along with another one called The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco, they're the first two books that I read and they, they were books on entrepreneurship and making money because I just graduated from university. I was trying to figure out like what the fuck to do in my life. And they were a fantastic, honestly, like a 10 out of 10 introduction into starting a business and sort of branching away from the nine to five rat race. The four hour work week tells you how to heavily reduce your work hours so that you have more freedom. The book alongside this is, I don't have like a physical copy, but it's The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. And that one, especially if you're like somewhat of a young person and you're a bit clueless in terms of businesses. So you've heard, you know, everyone say like, okay, make a business. But you're like, what the, like, what the fuck does that really even mean? Like, what, how do you know, like, which business to do? Like, how, how do businesses actually work? What's a good business? What, like, you know, like, if you're completely clueless, The Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco. So MJ DeMarco is an author who's just, like, the go-to guy for things of, like, escaping the rat race with making a business. In The Millionaire Fastlane, he breaks down the principles of a of good, good quality business that can last and can make a lot of money. And I'm not going to remember all of them right now, but it's, like, an analogy called Sense. C-E-N-T-S. And so it's like control, entry, I don't know, end, but like, you get what I mean? So it's just like principles that you can follow. And so if you're into business right now, I highly recommend the 4-Hour Workweek and the Millionaire Fastlane. I've mentioned those two books so many times on my channel, so you can tell like I really vouch for those books. 
The third book that I ever read was The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. I remember reading this book um, when I was down bad, depression, everything. This was just before I moved back home to Warrington. So I was living with my girlfriend at the time and I was smoking weed all day, you know, just living like a fucking like weirdo. And I, I literally remember this book. Every single time I would sit down to read this book, it felt like I got like quite a life-changing insight. It was a very, it was like a big struggle to read at that at that time. I'm not gonna lie. When you've got mental health problems, when you're high all the time, when you're eating shit food and your brain's just like fucked, it was, it was always a struggle to try and sit down and read this book. But every single time I did, I remember I would literally be in awe of like the knowledge and the insights that I would get from here. I've wanted to reread the book many, many times, but when I do try and reread it, it kind of has like a very like it's obvious now. So if you're like down bad, this book might help you. But if you're kind of a quite a healthy, productive person, you might not really need this book because you already have like these mental models inside of your mind. But this one specifically, there was one huge insight that really changed my life, which was that Mark Manson, the author of this book, said that no matter what you choose, you're going to have to experience problems. You're just going to have to be like a lifelong problem solver. It's time now to not pick the rewards that we want of a certain endeavor because that leaves you clueless if you only think of the rewards that you want the benefits that you want from these two sports or these two jobs it's incredibly hard to choose because okay you could be a youtuber or you could be a rapper and like oh you could you could get really famous and really rich from both of them and you could get really you know what i mean the better thing to to make decisions is to think about what kind of problem that you want to choose and this really like changed it all for me because at this point I was trying a bunch of different businesses. Obviously, I, I read the four hour work week, the million in fast lane. And so I was trying to think, okay, maybe I could like code my own apps. Maybe I could write ebooks. I could be like an author or something and I could be a drop shipper. And I tried to be a fucking rapper as well. And uh, I was making a couple of YouTube videos. And at this point of the book, I literally just sat down and said, okay, which problems do I want to solve? And for me, straight away, it was it was the YouTube. It was like the problems that arise with YouTube, which namely at the time was just problems in terms of like the software that you'd use to like edit videos because sometimes it'd crash because I, I didn't pay for that shit. I like pirated it. So every now and then it would crash. And it really like, it just hit me like, yeah, like, that's a problem that I can overcome. If there's a, a crash or if there's like an error in this software, I can just go and search up some like a cash from Tech India who's going to tell me about problem 337 or something and like that's an easy problem to fix. At the time I, I didn't spend too much time thinking about this, it probably would have been worthwhile. But I also did acknowledge that oh yeah like maybe I'll get like hate comments and like I don't really mind about that because maybe it's like an opportunity to grow. But at least this book really did help me at the time. So I moved back home May 2020 and I think one, pretty much the first book that I read when I moved back to Warrington was How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is like the bible of social skills. And you might not think that you need this book because you've already got a couple of friends and everything. Just trust me when I say, just read it. Just read this fucking book. Like, I had this book two years before that point when I actually read it. Like, I literally had this book in university. I bought it because so many people online were talking about it. I read the first few pages and I'm like, okay, this is basic. He's giving, like, old examples. And, like, I don't need to be told not to criticize or condemn people. I don't need to be told to, like, complain or to smile. When you just invest heavily to this book and you just think, okay, Dale Carnegie is like one of the first people who ever spoke about self-improvement. People call him like the godfather of self-improvement for a reason. If you just place your trust in this, and even though it seems like obvious, it's, it's like, okay, smile. 
use the person's name, firm handshake. You know, it's like basic shit. But when you invest in a book, it just gets ingrained in your mind. And at least for me, I always thought that I had pretty good social skills. I lived like the party life inside of university. I, like I was the center of like the certain social circle that I was in because I was hosting the parties. I was the one who was like leading the nights and, you know, choosing where to go and everything. And so I've, I had this huge arrogance that I didn't need to know these fucking social skill tips. And when I tell you that this, reading this book and implementing these tips, like truly changed my life, you should probably be thinking like, yeah, like maybe if Hamza's, you know, he was living the party lifestyle and everything, maybe his social skills probably would have been better than mine because I've just spent two years inside over COVID. It's a very good basic refresher. And there's a few principles. One of the things I really liked about this book that I've still got like these little things is that there's just like a page that literally just tells you the principles, which is like in a nutshell. So it's in a nutshell, six ways to make people like you. Principle number one, become genuinely interested in other people. Now that seems like, when, you, when you've heard me say that, it seems just like common sense, like, okay, become interested in other people. But when you're reading the principle and you're really like, you sit there and think, okay, am I using this in my life? At least for me, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not. Like, I, I don't feel like I've been really, really interested in other people recently. I feel like I've made it all about me because I love the center of attention, but everyone feels like that. When you're the one random guy out of a random group, like a big group, who's literally thinking, oh yeah, let me like, you know, be interested in other people. Let me ask them loads of questions and see like what they've got to teach me or something. You're going to stand out. People are going to love talking to you. Still to this day, I find myself like needing to like rethink of these principles. Very, very good book, but I think it's often overlooked by a bunch of people who have like this huge fucking ego that they think they don't need to like learn this stuff. So at about this point now, May slash June 2020, this is when I've started reading books. And so I actually got, I use it as a computer monitor stand, but I've got a book that I read here. So I started YouTube and I probably read this one a couple of months later, but it's just the one that I've got here right now. It's just Influencer by, <clears throat> there's dust everywhere, bro. Influencer by Joseph Grenny Kerry Patterson. So when I started YouTube, I... I got into reading and I wanted to start reading based on because I was giving people advice and I thought okay imagine if I actually learn how to like make people take my advice like that would be some next level shit if I could be the guy who I tell you okay meditate and exercise but I say it in a certain way that actually gets you to meditate and exercise that's like that's a million dollar business right there if I can be the one to influence you to get onto the good habits so I looked specifically for books on influence and, and there was a couple of big ones there's a book I believe it's on influence. Yeah, it's influence by Robert Cardino, something like that. It's a really big, famous book. I didn't really like that one. This is like a very quite underground book. It's made for like um, teachers or anything, but like it, it, it's a very, very easy read with like nice stories. And the principles are that to influence people, there's like a bunch of different categories that you could focus on. But the main thing that you, you can do, at least as a content creator, in my opinion, in like my example, is on personal motivation. If I can motivate you to go and do an action, then you'll do it. There's other things, like they, they went into detail. So for example, there's like structural influence, there's societal influence. Obviously they're like, you know, things that we're probably not considering right now. But the page is falling out and everything, but you'll, you can kind of tell that I've been taking the advice from this. So for to motivate someone, one of the best tactics is to tell meaningful stories. That's why like this literally reading the, this book completely changed the formula of my videos because before I would start the video like reading from a fucking script and be like, the best way to cure back pain is, you know, I'd be just saying some bullshit. When I read this book, I realized, yeah, like 
every single time that I've been like moved by a, a video, it's because they had like a storyline. Like we are so, so motivated by stories. I tell a story in every single one of my videos now. I don't just tell you like, oh yeah, you should meditate. I say, oh yeah, before I started meditating, this is what life was like, but then I found meditation, but then it didn't work, but then I really tried to make it work and it worked and this is what life is like now. You tell a story, you change someone's life. I really like this book. It's not it's not one that I'd reread because it's quite basic and it's just kind of like, yeah, just, you know, motivate them and give them experiences, tell them stories. But it's, it's quite like a nice introduction into influence and a behavior change into someone. If you're doing work similar to me, so if you're a YouTuber, a content creator, if you're a teacher, if you're in anything where you have to influence people, and of course, like influence, you use it literally 24-7 anyway. But I'd say if you're going to influence like people to be better, if you're going to influence like a, an audience, I'd highly recommend this book. It's Influencer by Joseph Greeny, Kerry Patterson, and like a couple of other people. I read this book afterwards as well. So that Influencer book and this book is what I use for my monitor. Just dust everywhere. We're going to clean my room, man. So this is The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McEwen. So this is kind of like an interesting book, kind of like different to what you'd expect because so far it's just been like, you know, self-improvement type of books. This is based on the real way that we're supposed to be breathing, which is very different from how most of us breathe right now. Breathing is so overlooked. And this book, I've read a recent book as well. I've read like another book on breathing recently, which we'll discuss, but... If you are someone who's like a mouth breather, if you're someone who doesn't really sleep well, books like this will change your life. Like there, there's a real like healthy way to breathe and probably at least 50% of people who are watching this aren't breathing like that. A lot of us breathe from our mouths because we just, like you can see like I'm taking a breath. It, one, it's a habit. Two, your nose kind of gets blocked sometimes so you kind of need to. Three, the modern food that we have just kind of fucks up like the whole system and everything. Of course, like, I don't remember most of the science, but the, the general idea is like modern life is just terrible for breathing and anything that's terrible for breathing truly fucks up your health a lot more than you'd think. You'd think, okay, it's not that important. It's only to do with like cardiovascular skill, like lung capacity or something. It goes way further than that. In the new book that I read on this just a month ago called Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. I don't know who it's by. There's so much research to show that mouth breathing completely fucks up your health. It's actually one of those like weird things that like truly ruins your life, but it's so overlooked. So the gist is stop mouth breathing and you might start complaining and say, wait, but like I can't breathe from my nose, so I have to breathe from my mouth. We're supposed to breathe a lot less. Like the issue right now, of course, you know, air pollution and everything, the quality of the air around us is very, very bad. But the, one of the biggest, the things that we can control as an individual person is the quantity of the air that we breathe. And we breathe too much. So we inhale way too fast because we're all mindless. You're like, if you become aware of this right now, you might be in disbelief, but if you become aware of this, you'll actually be shocked. If you're, you know, you become, you know, you're like uh, daydreaming, you're going through your day, whatever, you're not focused on this. And then you get that thought of, oh yeah, let me like, you know, um, breathe properly. You'll realize that for the last while you've been breathing, like you've got anxiety. Like we breathe like this, like even if you're not a mouth breather, like. You're watching this video and you think you're the exemption. 
even though I'm saying this right now, you still think you're the exemption and you think that I'm not talking to you. I'm telling you right now, the overwhelming majority of people that I've been around breathe wrong. The overwhelming majority of people that I've been around breathe wrong. I've spent some like good time around people like with girls that I've like been on dates with and like nights out with and like stayed over like in hotels. And so if you're sleeping next to someone, you really like, you can really become aware of what their breathing patterns, right? I'm telling you right now, since I've been reading this book and another book on breathing, I'm like really clued up on like who's breathing properly. And I'm telling you, it's not that many people. It's really like, I'm not even the perfect example of this because obviously like my breath, like I'm still trying to train this shit as well. But the majority of people that I come across breathe like this. The right way to breathe is with a very soft inhale as much as your nose will allow you. So if your nose is stuffy and you think, wait, no, I can't do this, Hamza, you're like, this is bullshit because my nose is stuffy, so I have to breathe from my mouth. How much you can breathe from your nose is how much you're supposed to. Breathing from your nose is kind of like a skill. And so if you haven't been leveling up this skill for a while, you're going to be like a low level in this skill to begin with, and you're going to be shit at it first. You have to keep going through the trials and tribulations. It's like, it's kind of like you deserve to suffer. You deserve to have that awkward, like... You know, that bullshit of, like, you can't breathe properly and everything and that, that feeling of, like, air hunger, which Patrick McEwen really, really, like, really nails into you and he says, the feeling of air hunger is what we need. So we should be breathing so slow and so peacefully that we actually do get a sense of, like, the, the air hunger, that we get, like, a sense of breathlessness. So he said the perfect breath, which actually lines up with the perfect breath from the other book that I mentioned, Breath, The New Science of the Lost Art, is about a five to six second soft, very soft slow inhale and a very very extended five to six second exhale breathing from the diaphragm that's really really important a lot of people are chest breathers as well and for me patrick McEwen really really made a simple exercise to just start breathing from your diaphragm but just put your hand there put your hand on your stomach and just start guiding it out guide your stomach out as you breathe As you breathe in, push it out. Exhale, it comes in. Breathe in, push out. Exhale, comes in. Really good book. This book's like fucking thick. And he goes into, at first, you know, obviously it's just one of those books where he just kind of like tells you about the thing. But then he, should, he goes on to give you so much evidence and like, data and everything of like how <laughs> breathing is literally like the number one thing that we were all missing and it's literally it'll improve your diet it'll improve your your body composition your physical injury and so many random things it's one of those things where like you know you read the book on like a certain topic like walking and then you think like oh fuck like the amount of research this motherfucker's put in is like this is the most important thing ever that's what this book is like so it, it was kind of like a hard read it was sometimes when i would be reading it and i had to like reread the paragraph because he uses quite like advanced terminology and everything. It's a very good book and I recommend it. Mostly, honestly, if you're not too bothered about this, then fair enough. But I recommend it specifically for the people who have trouble breathing, who mouth breathe and know that they mouth breathe and they want to stop mouth breathing. And also if you have trouble sleeping, because I would say probably the most common reason for trouble sleeping, not like not getting to sleep, but I mean like staying asleep and you probably wake up feeling quite sick and you've got like a dry throat and everything, is how you breathe. And he really goes into it in detail. <coughs> so I got those books and then <coughs> this might not be all be known. I've had this book for a while, The 48 Laws of Power. I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't say that this is like that 
it's hard to say because, for example, like this was a random page, right? But this law number seven, get others to do the work for you, but always take the credit. Now, technically, that's a law of power, right? Get others to do the work for you, but always take the credit. But this is totally outdated. This this would have worked 100%. This would have worked 50 years ago, 100 years ago. You're the you're the guy in the factory or anything, and you know the factory's pumped out the number one production. Then you're gonna come in there, come there and take the recognition 100%. But in the new age of business, this type of shit doesn't work. This type of shit actually gets you hated on. If imagine if like I completely acted in a way that showed you that like my editors were worthless and that it's only me. I'm a one man army. I wouldn't actually get more power from that. If anything, I'd have power stripped away from me because people would like me less. Because right now we're, we're becoming a lot more like social and like nice to each other. We're, we're collaborating a lot more. And so a lot of, like a bunch of these laws are quite dry and quite outdated. Like they don't seem to work, but a couple of them do absolutely work. And there was a couple that, I wonder if you could find them. Like, okay, so like a standard one is always say less than necessary. I thought about this law just a few days ago. That's a standard, that's like an, a timely one. Always say less than necessary. Now, of course, it's kind of odd because I could have made this video like 10 minutes long. It's probably gonna be more like an hour. So saying more than necessary is kind of helpful here. So you've, obviously you've got to use your intuition to think, you know, when this is useful. But in terms of relationships, in terms of especially with dating, for example, law number four, always say less than necessary, has done me very, very well. Win through your actions, never do wrong. This, this is really good. I'm not going to lie. It's one of those books that like you, you're not supposed to read cover to cover. That's what like I should actually explain this. This is kind of a tangent. Maybe like someone can timestamp this or something. Oh yeah, I was gonna say like someone please timestamp this shit because I'm not gonna like rewatch this video. But if anyone's going through the vid, then just kind of like leave timestamps. Um, there's a right way to read books, and I don't think many people are actually reading books in the right way. You're not supposed like books aren't sacred. It's like it's nothing. You're not supposed to read a book like your dumb broke teachers told you to read the education system ruined fucking learning like the education system has ruined education reading is how you get education but they've those motherfuckers have convinced you that you you get this book as an assignment you read it front to back and you have to answer questions and take notes that's fucking bullshit if you're highlighting when you're reading you're just stupid that shit doesn't do anything fuck you shut the fuck up oh but i like shut the fuck up Highlighting when you're reading stupid. Reading a book from start to finish is stupid. You're not supposed to read like that. If it's a book that you've already read before, you really like it. If it's a book that really, really captures your interest, fair enough. But if you force yourself to read a book from start to finish, if you're a fucking dick and you ask me how many books I read a year, or if you make one of those fucking dumbass YouTubers who are like, oh, but uh, reading, 20, reading 52 books last year, here's where I shut the fuck up. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with this fucking, like, this culture of people, like, people thinking that it's like, a, like a medal that I read 52, I read a book a week. So? How much did you learn, dumbass? Not much. Because you're fucking, you're, you're literally just skimming the fucking page, like, you're not even learning. You're just reading for the sake of the fucking ego boost. If you want to learn from this shit, you don't read it like you did in school. You don't read it like most people do. You get an interest. For example, in here. You're interested right now in reducing your workload so you go to the part where he talks about that you're curious of it and you learn that boom now you're done with it law on this if you like get this and you're like oh i'm gonna read the four year laws of power law number one you're a dumbass what you do is you go to the preface when there's he's listed every single one and you see which one captivates your attention right now recreate yourself 
that's the one for me, Law 25. So I would go straight to Law 25 and I would read that one and I would contemplate, I would sit here and think, oh yeah, like, you know, he said to recreate yourself and he, he gave me this story. How can I use that right now? If you're sat here, Law 1, Law 2, Law th all the way to Law 48, trust me when I say you're not learning anything. Trust me when I say you're doing it for fucking ego. You, like, reading is such a beautiful thing, but the overwhelming majority of people just read in the totally wrong way and then they don't get any benefit from it. And that's a side tangent, but honestly, it's, it's so incredibly important because you need to be taught how to actually fucking read. And school just ruined this shit for us. But yeah, uh, <laughs> side note, The 48 Laws of Power is a good-ass book. So then... I believe at this point is when I got my Kindle, so we can go on this now. I wonder if I if I plug my charger. This camera is kind of trash, bro. This fucking it's gonna die now. If I plug this in, like uh, it's not even gonna do anything. Okay. Okay, let's go. So I'm going all the way back on my Kindle, and I read I read The Power of Now. See that bottom one? The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To be honest, I didn't really vibe with it that much, but I feel like I was quite new to meditation at the time, so I was gonna plan. I was planning to reread it uh, soon, so I might like it more. But I th it was very, very promoted. But I didn't really like get that much insight from it. Although I did sort of, it did just highlight the importance of presence and mindfulness, which I guess like you know probably helped me snowball my mindfulness training to take it more seriously. The earliest book I have on here, which I feel like helped me, is The E Myth Revisited. Very, very interesting book. The E-Myth e Revisited by Michael E. Gerbera. And it's this idea that making a business is not the same as doing the task. So he gives the story, which I'm sure we've all heard of. Let's say there's a builder, like a bricklayer, or, you know, like a carpenter, one of those random trades, right? And he's employed by someone, he's doing it, and he's like, oh, you know what? Like, I should be self-employed. I should have my own business. So he makes his own business, and... It's actually a negative compared to his life previously because now his boss, he's got the worst boss in the world, which is himself. And all he has is just extra responsibility and extra tasks. What he's done is the wrong thing, which a lot of brown people do, which is that they make a business just to give themselves a job. That is not the point of a business. That is not what you do when you're trying to like start like a company or something that's stupid as fuck. You don't make a business to give yourself a job. You make a business to give other people jobs so that they do the work for you and you sit back and you like kind of like you're the one who takes the risk and that has all the leverage. Of course, you know, like, so for example, with this business I'm doing right now, no one can do this work, which is like being on the camera because you're here for Hamza, right? But I've outsourced most of the tasks to the point that now all that's left is actually the fun task that I wanted to do in the first place. So the E-Myth Revisited, it goes through almost in like a story fashion of the right way to create a business and like, you know, the right mindset to have and the right need for the business. And he says that most people just don't do it in the right way because they just give themselves a job. So another example is, for example, the brown guy who creates a business where it's like owning a shop, like a, a corner store. It's, he's just got a shitty job now. He's got like a very, very like poor level job that he's not proud of. Someone's gonna, oh man, he's working. Out. Shut the fuck up, okay? Like, he's not proud of it. He's dealing with assholes. My dad owned a shop. We like fucking did child slave labor there, bro. I'm telling you right now, it's not like a good place to be. Oh, but he's working hard. Shut the fuck up, okay? You just, when you make a business like that, you've just given yourself a job. And usually that job is actually quite like a low level job. It's the same as, for example, just like, 
It's a, it's a bunch of fucking low-level business, like businesses, right? They're not businesses. You've just employed yourself. And of course, you know, that it's a job that you've got right now and you're making money for enough, you know, we'll be grateful. But the idea is that you can create such a beautiful business when you do it in the right way. I'm trying to recount some of the learning lessons here, but the, the general gist for me was to make sure that you're like employing people in a very standardized, like a franchise fashion. That's actually, so I read this book and that's when I got my first video editor, Sam, and he still like tells this story every now and then where I was his first client. So he went on the website Fiverr to, you know, sell his services as a video editor. I was his first client and I literally wrote up like a document of instructions that I wanted him to follow, like a step-by-step, -step, do this, 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 this checklist and everything, like 25 points of like, do exactly this and render it with this setting, this, this, upload it here, do this exactly like this. Because my idea was, which I got from this, is to have like a system in which other people, like you can franchise your business so I thought, okay, the bit that I can, I can't franchise like myself or anything, but the bit I can franchise is the video editor. I didn't realize at the time that Sam was like the first video editor, like the proper first video editor that I got and who would actually stay around. Actually, no, no, no. Actually, you know what? I had a bunch of brown people before Sam actually. So on Fiverr, I was looking for people to be my video editor and, and I had the idea, which I got from the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which was to outsource to a country like Pakistan in a sense that one, it's like lower wages, but two, it almost gave me like a sense of fulfillment because you know, I'm like, I'm giving them a job and everything and they're getting like a, a fair amount of money per hour. The work from them, quite frankly, was just subpar, like completely, completely subpar. And there wasn't like a good working relationship. But as I was going through those original editors that I got from Fiverr doing random videos, I was updating this system, like this this document. So by giving everyone the same document of instructions, it was a very standardized, like systemized franchise process. And you can see you're taking a business like very, very seriously when you do shit like this. So the idea is that for you, if you're, if you're branching into like a business, number one, make sure it's the right type of business. Make sure it's a business where you employ people and you haven't just employed yourself in two standardize and systemize employing people to do the tasks that you want. McDonald's does this perfectly. It's all like a clear cut franchise. My camera's gonna die. Uh, BRB. Okay, apologies for that, my camera just died. I swear this tripod's a bit unequal. But yeah, that was the E-Myth Revisited. The next one we have is, yeah, so this is now about the time when I actually started like selling things from YouTube and I read the book, The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy, that one in the top middle. The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy. This was a fantastic book. This was like essentially a, funda a fundamental basic introduction to sales. And you've probably heard before, like, you know, sales is such an important skill. Like the, the way that you learn sales is kind of like everything else, but it, it, it seems like quite a, like a weird, interesting topic that you really want to learn, but you're just kind of like unsure how to do it. You read a book like this, The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy, and you just get told like random things that stay in your mind. And, and some of the fundamental stuff is like, you're, you're literally just serving the customer. You're just trying to help them. So you know that bullshit of like, oh, like sell me this pen and you're supposed to think of something like, you know, fancy or something. Really the best example of, you know, sell me this pen or like, you know, I'm trying to sell you this pen is like, I'll ask you like, do you want to buy a pen? Are you in the market to buy a pen? If the guy says like, no, I don't want to buy it. Okay, then, then you leave it. Sales is not about some bullshit like manipulation tactics where you're like, oh, let me convince you to buy this pen. And you know, this pen was signed by thingy and you, you know, some like weird clickbaity type of bullshit. It's literally just about serving the customer's needs. So the best salesman just ask a lot of questions. It is, it, you've got to not see sales as something where it's like me versus you. 
And that's how I used to actually think of it. And honestly, this book and another one that we'll talk about really changed a lot for me. If I didn't read this book, I wouldn't be where I am right now because it was the sales aspect. It was like the business aspect of YouTube that actually got me here, that actually got me interested because I am an entrepreneur at heart. And so the idea with sales, like the basic fundamental stuff that I remember from this is essentially, let's say you want to sell something to someone, like you've got a product that you're selling. You ask questions and you figure out what their hotspot is. You figure out what they're really, really interested in. So if I try and sell you right now, like this, this hair product, there's like, you know, wax to style your hair and you want to buy one, right? So I'm asking you, instead of just saying, oh, do you want to buy this? Or, you know, this has, this has this and this and this and this. It's kind of like the same as the social skills that we learn from how to win friends and influence people. Be interested in them, in the customer, not in yourself. So I could tell you, oh yeah, you know, this this hair product has like 53% uh, beeswax or some bullshit. It's like, you're going to be bored. What I would be asking you is just questions like, oh yeah, what, what do you want to use this for? And you'll say, oh yeah, like, like I want to style my hair so it looks nice and attractive for my Instagram bitch. Fuck you. I fucking hate that noise. Oh my God. And turn that shit off. We got a podcast coming live with Chris Williamson right now. Yeah, I might stop this video so I can share that with, but so you'll tell me like, oh yeah, like you want to look better on your Instagram pictures. And that's like the thing that you get really excited for. Then I'll ask you another question, like, oh yeah, like you know, this is uh water, like rain resilience. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, like whatever. A bad salesman would keep bringing up every feature point that he has. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's water, you know, this is water resilient. But you didn't give a fuck. What you really cared about was that you wanted better hair for Instagram pictures. So that's the point I would keep nailing down. And I'd like ask you, like, you know, I'd hype you up for it. I'd be like, how much does that work for you? How many like followers do you have and everything? Do you think that this is going to help you quite a lot? You're going to style it in a certain way. We'll talk about the thing that you're really, really interested in. Then you close the sale. Then you say, yeah, like, why don't, why don't you just take it? So obviously I wasn't selling physical products when I read this book, I was selling my coaching. And at the time my coaching was like pretty affordable, but it was starting to get to the point where it was like actually becoming like, you know, a decent price. So when I first started my coaching, like my one-to-one -one coaching, my self-improvement coaching, I was charging less than minimum wage. I was charging about a couple pounds an hour, literally about half of what minimum wage is in the UK. Cause I was like doing it for fun. I was charging less than about half than of minimum wage. And I was doing more than one hour for that rate. So it was, it was the equivalent of literally like a pound or one one or two pounds per hour. That's what I was like doing because I was just like staying on the call for like two hours with the guys and everything. I just became more and more business orientated and I realized that's not like, there's no fucking future in like doing a fucking two and a half hour call for like five pounds. And I started actually like not feeling bad. I think honestly a big part of sales is knowing that like, it is a moral thing to do. It is like, there is an absolute need for a salesman. You have a need the salesman fulfills it by giving you the product, like, you know, just showing you the product and telling you its features and everything that you needed. And sales, to be a salesman, to like sell, feels kind of dirty because of this idea of, you know, like the sleazy car salesman and everything. But books like this really opened up my mind and thought like, yeah, like actually like, it is a very positive thing to do. And I remember there was, for months I was on this on and off type of mindset in terms of sales you know trying to sell products to my customers it was actually a random youtuber called casey zander so a fair amount of you guys might know him he's like in the red pill masculine space and i watched a random video of his where he talked about his products he talked about learning sales and he just said like yeah like he likes sales he, he loves being able to like provide the value to his customers to like provide to sell them something that's going to help them and that really like it just made me click and i was like oh yeah like you can view it as a positive thing to sell someone a product that you've made that you know is gonna help them. Like that's, you should feel very proud of that process. 
So the idea is like you make a product that you or you know you have a product that you're proud of or a service that you're proud of that you think is going to help this person. You ask them questions. You're not just you know like movies have really fucked us over it like if you're trying to learn sales movies have really shown you this dirty idea of like oh yeah pursue the sale and you know get the sale no matter what and be hard ass and stuff really being a good salesman in the modern day especially when you can get like critiqued for it and you, especially if you know you, you're attaching sales to like your personal brand like i am if i sell too hard or in the wrong way my brand's gonna get ruined and people will actually start to like dislike me for it wouldn't they the reason why like you probably I'd say the overwhelming majority of people who watch my videos probably wouldn't consider me a salesman. I use sales techniques and everything, and I use marketing techniques, but I do it in such like a humble, very, very infrequent way that it doesn't seem to piss that many people. Of course, some like some knobheads come in and like, oh, I'm okay, only cares about when the fuck, how the fuck do you get that idea from me that I only care about money? I've literally got videos of me just saying like, yeah, like it doesn't matter, I just meditate instead and shit. And of course, like I need money for the business, but it's like. One of the comments that really, this, this is kind of off off point, but a comment on, it was on Discord. I don't think the guys even knew that I was like reading it, but I just really appreciate it. It was like some random guys who were just saying like, Hamza doesn't sell us his products nearly as much as he could do. Like he doesn't push us to like, and I was like, I, I, took, I was taken aback because when you do try and sell things online as your personal brand, people just dislike you for it. People love to buy, but they hate to be sold to. And this really honestly, like really, hurt me for a while because i never wanted to be seen as like a salesman and like anytime someone would tell like say like oh you know you're just trying to sell us something or hamza's just trying to make money it would really hurt because it's like it was one of those where it was like if it was completely false it would probably not affect me but the fact that like there is truth in it like yes i like i do want to make money and for a long time like a, a bunch of people like a bunch of like viewers and everything made me feel like honestly very bad for like wanting to make money from from youtube from this business and it's just certain key moments like reading this book and watching that random Casey Zander video and these random guys on Discord and like a few conversations with Sam that's really just made me feel more positive. And I'm like, yeah, like, but it, but it is a business. Like I am a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I was an entrepreneur first and then a YouTuber second. And like I wanted to make not only just like, you know, like a humble income. I wanted to make a good amount of money. Like, come on, let's, let's be fucking real with it right now. Like, apologies, hang on, my, my screen's just turn a nightlight thing on. You know, there's this like hype. I was in this lifestyle as well, but like it's so easy in the modern day to say like, oh, you know, I don't care about money. I just want to be happy. But it's like, why not? Why not both? Why not both? We need we need the level of confidence to actually just admit like, yeah, like I want to sell my product. I want to make a product that sells a lot. A lot of like people in the modern day think that that's vain or you know they'll d dislike you for it. It's the same level of you saying like, oh yeah, I want to get muscular, and like you know some random like dick is just gonna say like, oh you want to get muscular? That's because you've got a small dick, or that's because your your ego is some bullshit. But it's like, yeah, why not, bro? People are making money. Why not me? So books like this, honestly, like it it truly changed the trajectory of my my sort of status on YouTube. Where I realized, yeah, there's actually there's good money to be made, and I'm I'm telling you right now, this is like this is the one boast I'm gonna allow myself for this video, right? I'm a better entrepreneur who makes more money than a lot of YouTubers, big YouTubers. I make more money from my audience of like you know 200 uh, 230k than YouTubers who have like a million or two million do, and of course. You know, a lot of people will be able to say, like, oh, no, but I don't care about money. The thing is, you would happily take more money. So don't be a little bitch. You would happily, like, take more money if, if you could do, right? A big part of sales and a big part of making money is just honestly setting the intention to. 
and this book and there was another book as well that we'll go on to really dialed in this point of like your self-belief because however your parents managed their money and however they kind of interacted with you with money, you know, your parents gave you pocket money or they spoke about money, that you've got core beliefs inside of your mind that you aren't really that conscious of. And one of the interesting stories was we have like a like a pretty much an income limit that we feel comfortable with and we'll rarely surpass that. And this, this fucking blew my mind, this story he told them. I assume it's a real story, but he was pretty much saying like some random salesman that he knew saw himself as like a $5,000 a year man. So $5,000 a year would have been like a big, this book's like 100 years old or 50 years old or something. So $5,000 a year would have been like a, a very good wage at the time. But like not high, high level, but like a good level, right? And the idea was he'd make like his his amount, this salesman would make $5,000 and then he'd get sick afterwards. He'd make $5,000 and then he'd just like, you know, lose the mojo, lose the motivation to continue doing sales. Or he wouldn't be at $5,000. He'd be quite significantly underneath, but the year's about to end and suddenly he'd get to 5000 It's kind of similar, to, if you know of Parkinson's law, it's kind of similar to that where it's like, you'll, you'll do the thing you, it's hard to explain, but it, you can hopefully see like my fucking brain cells are trying to like be be switched on here. But you will hit the income that you feel like you can hit. That's a good way of putting it, right? With sales, with just making money, you will make as much money as you feel like you can make. Now, you can't bullshit yourself. You can't just say, oh, I feel like I can make a million because you don't fucking believe it. A lot of like young guys can do it. I, I see guys in both ends of the, the spectrum and they're both autists. I see the guy who lives in India, but uh, I can't make that much money. Shut the fuck up, bro. You know, uh, but uh, Hamza, like Hamza doesn't understand because I work a full time. Shut the fuck up. Why, why are you rejecting yourself? Why are you just giving yourself limits and beliefs? Oh, like, Hamza wouldn't understand. Like I'm arguing for you. You're arguing against you. Have some fucking respect for yourself, man. So there's these like small dick motherfuckers who are like, oh, but I couldn't make that much money. But then there's also like a bunch of these like, pseudo big dick teenagers who are like oh but like oh yeah i'm gonna be a millionaire like i spoke to a lot of these guys in my early coaching days i spoke to a lot of guys who, who had this bullshit of like oh yeah i'm gonna make five million next year hamza thinking that i'd be proud of them i'm gonna be like the biggest rapper ever shut the fuck up bro just shut the fuck up like I, I'm, I'm all for being ambitious but you can't fake this bullshit and trust me when i say like if right now you're a broke broke dumbass little like little fucking dumb kid you're not even like being productive. Let's say this this guy wants to be a fucking dropshipper, but he's like barely working on it. He's like, then you don't deserve to say, like, oh, I'm going to make a million. No, you're not. I'm going to be the best rapper, but you're barely making rap. So shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, you should be the goals that you set and you know, the limit that you set yourself of this like sort of subconscious like limit, this bar that you feel like you're worthy of. You should start to manually set this to a point that is reasonably unreasonable reasonably unreasonable so if right now you're a broke dumbass student your goal should be to make five to ten thousand dollars in a couple of years per month five let's say ten thousand dollars within two years from now so every month you're making ten thousand dollars two years from now that's reasonably unreasonable that's a that's a lot of money that's a good amount of money and two years it's like that's yeah that's reasonably unre it's unreasonable but it's quite reasonable at the same time saying that oh but in two years i'm gonna be no you're not you're not gonna be a fucking millionaire bro shut the fuck up but at the same time, there's people who are just way too reasonable and then they don't ever end up actually achieving that goal. So for this salesman, it was the, the, the 5,000 one. It's like, okay, even if you hit the reasonable goal, it, it's not that amazing. But for most people, when they do set a reasonable goal in sales and a lot of young guys say like, oh, Bahamza, just you know, stop all this biz, like business stuff. Just teach us how to make $100 a month online. You won't do it because it's not worth it. 
To make $100 a month, you have to work harder than if to make five to 10,000, literally. Because to make $100 a month, the only really, like the way that these dumb little kids want me to answer is to hop onto fucking Fiverr and, and like do fucking child slave labor to make two pounds an hour for 50 hours this month right now. And you'll get the ego boost. Like, oh yeah, I made $100, but you, you just, you made two pounds an hour. If it's too reasonable, if, if the bar like that you've set yourself of income is too low, you'll either won't do it or you will and then, like your achievements just trash anyway. There's a book that's coming up. I'm surprised it's not already come up. Maybe like Kindle kind of like reorganizes them. But there's a book that's coming up, The Magic of Thinking Big. And the author of that book talks about the fact that big goals and small goals take about as much effort anyway. And I know that seems really crazy, but it's, it's honestly true because a small goal has this extra mental load where you're like, you're not, you're quite resentful to do the work because you're like, I'm not even going to get that big of a benefit anyway. This is those motherfuckers. I've criticized this before. This is the guys who come into the gym and they say, oh, I don't want to get too big. I just want to get toned. Okay, well, you're not going to make any progress then. You're going to quit. Because when it starts getting difficult, when your muscles are fucking sore and you don't feel like going to the gym and it's raining outside, you're not going to show up because I just want to get toned. It's bullshit. Reasonably unreasonable was saying that, yeah, like I want to build like the 10 out of 10 physique for me of the aesthetic B taper. So 175 pounds at six foot one. Like that's reasonably unreasonable. But my mindset was like, yeah, in 10 years, I'm pretty much there. I'm like 90% of the way to that, to that goal. It was reasonably unreasonable. This book, so the psychology of selling, really started opening up my mind to like this kind of like this this lifestyle and this this mind. This book, ah, oh, it really. Oh, I'd say this was almost like a paradigm shift when I started reading books on sales, because before that I had a very very quite negative view of sales and making money, and reading these books and just reading authors just say like, yeah, like you've got to not be afraid of sales. You've got to not think that it's a bad thing. You've got to not think that it's immoral or that, you know, you're doing anyone a disservice. You've got to think that you're actually providing value. There's, there's a customer with a need and you're trying to f help them fulfill that need. And if it's your product, then it's a win-win for both of you. And there's like, there was another book that's coming up, but there was like, there was another book I will, will discuss soon, but it was it almost like made my jaw drop of like how in-depth it was. It's like, okay, when the customer has this kind of objection, you should use this kind of solution and this kind of attitude from the customer, you should use this. It's kind of like, this is a skill that motherfuckers have been leveling up and the fact that they've just put these like learning lessons in books just blows my mind. Okay, the next book we have is called Cash Vertising by Drew Eric Whitman. That that one right there. Wait, this one. Cash Vertising. So this is a book on copywriting. So copywriting is kind of like sales, but through text. So sales is quite broad and obviously it's just sales can be broken down into many, many different aspects of sales. Copywriting is when you're trying to sell through like text on like computer page. It's kind of like obvious in a sense, but it's like, for example, when you go onto my course page or you go onto some random like um, website which sells you some bullshit, the text there would be called copywriting. That's like sales text. Sales in person is, is somewhat similar. It still follows the same principles. It's still like, you know, asking questions and everything. But of course, it's a very different dynamic when it's on text. And this is actually a very, very important skill to learn because how, how many person-to-person -person sales 
is actually going on for most people when you really think about it like i don't really do sales in a call in a person i wouldn't really ever do of course like you know this there is the good point that we're always selling and everything but in general if you're thinking about specifically selling okay products for money I did a couple of like somewhat sales stuff when I would take calls for my coaching and you know I'd try and like you know use some sales tactics but honestly it it's not so important to know those like great sales skills because the best coach the best coaching clients I had you know I would do like free calls or anything or I'd do like a very like affordable first call and you maybe want to book onto the package the the clients that I got they really liked the first call and they were like yeah let's do it I didn't have to actually sell them stuff. The people that I had to use like the sales tactics on always ended up just being less motivated for the the coaching anyway. And of course, this is because coaching is like a service you have to commit to. So of course, like that, it's more detrimental for it. But in general, you're not really going to use the actual sales skill to sell products if you're doing a business similar to mine. You're not going to be the one who's taking the sales calls. If I did make a new premium product that required you know an actual phone sale, I wouldn't be the one doing it. I would go employ someone for like 10, 20, 30 dollars an hour or something and they would be the one selling. Like, you know, they'd answer like the Zoom call when someone wanted to buy my stuff. Copywriting is how we sell in the modern day. So if you're about to do a business similar to mine, if you want to be a YouTuber, you will eventually end up selling something on like a, a new page and the page that you'll use will go into these books. But essentially what you'll do is you'll make a landing page, like a sales page. So it's not like a normal website because normal websites, there's too much fucking clutter. You may have seen my aesthetic body course like linked in my main channel. And it's like, it's almost like, it almost looks like somewhat of like, a scam website if you didn't really know what it was but like a normal website has like you know loads of buttons like on the home page the, the help button and everything when you're just trying to sell you want literally nothing so you make a landing page a sales page which is literally just almost like a white page with just text down the middle and a video and everything it's step by step and everything like that we go through and a page a um a book like this teaches you the basics of copywriting so it's very similar to the skill sales skill but it's a lot more based on the modern sort of selling on websites so for example he'll tell you what type of headline to have the headline should be five words or less and it should have this font and it should be this big and you should have like underneath the headline you should have a subheading you know like all this like, kind of quite like specific stuff that you should know now i read this book and it was pretty helpful and i definitely like got my first sales from it but there is a book three books that we will go on to discuss as we get to them on my kindle that kind of just made this book negligible and we'll go on to them soon. So the next one, I've got an audible uh, one here. I'm surprised that that's on because it's not like an actual book, but it's like an audio book for Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. So this is like a standard, very popular book right now. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. This is like the type of book that is just, it's a very, very, very high quality, quite like popular standard book on building discipline. And the value of it comes not from specific discipline tactics, but just from hearing the story of someone who went through a lot and then he's giving you his like sort of mental models, his mindsets, his mentalities on how he can push faster, faster, harder, whatever, continue just um, going even when it, when it hurts. Now, he, I developed my discipline especially the phrase that I use, do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. That's the, the explanation of discipline is that phrase. I developed all that before I actually read this book, but I feel like I would have gotten to this point of my discipline way faster if I read this book earlier. And in fact, um, 
I haven't read this book. I've, I've listened to it. And if I was you, like I wouldn't, like I, I can't really say because I haven't read it. But I would assume the book is nowhere near as good as the actual audio book. So you can get the audio book on Audible. And for me personally, like the best thing to do is quite common sense. I'm surprised people haven't done this. But literally, put your earphones in, listen to the audio book instead of reading it, and do it whilst you're doing some activity that requires discipline. So I would listen to it when I would run to the gymnastic ring spot. So, you know, there's a sense of discipline. I'm like literally running with like a heavy backpack and everything. Some people just prefer to read it. But in my opinion, a book like this isn't meant to be just read when you're in like the comfort of your home. It kind of destroys the purpose. So I would listen to it when I was like going on runs and I was like cycling to kickboxing and all this. We have a book here, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Right there next to my thumb. Deep Work by Cal Newport. Now I've mentioned this book loads of times, so I won't explain it too much. Pretty much the idea is that most of us are doing very shallow work, not only the tasks that we're choosing to spend our time on, but also the way that we work. The TLDR of this is that deep work will be the best work that you produce and it has such a huge benefit, not only to your level of like, you know, your career or your business advancement, but also to your like philosophical, like your spiritual, your your emotional fulfillment. Because when you produce some awesome work, you feel fucking sick. But most of us don't produce that awesome work because we're constantly just dabbling in like shallow work. Shallow work is bullshit that like just isn't really that important. It doesn't require all of your mental cognition. So for example, shallow work is like answering emails. It's like me being on Discord and I'm moderating Discord or doing some, something that I would, don't really have to do. Deep work is like this. No one else can do this for me. No one else can record these videos exactly like me. No one can be hamster on the camera. That's deep work. The idea of this book, Deep Work by Cal Newport, is to essentially just completely stay hyper-focused on the task that you're doing. So no bullshit distractions, no checking your phone in between or anything. And to prioritize and almost only do those deep work, those high caliber activities. And the shallow work that you do have, outsource it, eliminate it. It's very, very similar to the concept in the four hour work week. And this book in the four hour work week always get quite hated on to get people being critical of it because everyone's like, oh, but you, I can't work only four hours, but like, okay. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it works for a lot of people, it worked for me. And if you want to reject yourself from the principles of this because you need to work 10 hour days and stuff. All right, fine, fair enough. But that that's your loss. Let's see, where are we? I've got Atomic Habits by James Clear here as an audible. I'm not going to lie. This is a very, very, very highly rated book. It's like the book that everyone raves about with self-improvement. It's like the cornerstone. I'm not going to lie. Like I, ne I never really liked it. I never really like got much from it. And I think the reason why was because I've never really struggled with implementing a new habit. Because for me personally, it's like when I was on self-improvement, when I discovered this book, I realized like, in, not to put this guy down, but it's like his strategy of implementing new habits is completely and utterly subpar to mine, which mine was the timetable. Mine was, okay, follow the same sort of military style discipline every single day. You write down a timetable. I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. I'm going to do this at 7.30, this at 7.50, whatever, and do the same things almost every single day as best as you can. That's better than every other productivity slash habit tactic that I've ever come across because this is all about, okay, implementing a new habit or destroying like a previous habit. My idea with the timetable was that my entire day became a habit. It was just way, way stronger. So personally, I didn't really get too much from Atomic Habits. But if you're not going to live like that lifestyle like I did, where you're doing the same things at the same time every day, then yeah, a lot of people do rave about this book. 
I have The Unplugged Alpha by Richard Cooper. It's an audiobook, so I didn't read this one, but it's an audiobook. This is like, it's kind of like a nice sort of summary of the red pill. You don't really need to know like too much or anything. It's just like The Unplugged Alpha by Richard Cooper. It's just kind of like an, a somewhat summary of the red pill. It's got certain dynamics. Like there's no one that you shouldn't date, like single mothers who are older than you or anything that you should be like, um, it was, to be honest, like there was nothing new in it. So he'd mentioned some good, like green flags, some red flags. There was nothing new. If you've read the red pill, you don't need to read this book. But if you're like, don't really know what the red pill is, maybe you'd want to read it. It's like it's like a very very easy read, um, and it's by a guy who is fairly successful as well, which is quite nice. So here we have the first book of the trilogy that I just mentioned before. There, it's called Dot Com Secrets by Russell Brunson. So this is an absolute. This is probably. Probably the best book that we've come across so far. Dot Com Secrets by Russell Brunson. This is the book that made the copywriting book, Cashvertising, negligible. This book is part of a three series. So there's Dot Com Secrets, Traffic Secrets, and Expert Secrets. If you're going to do a social media business like I am here, this is a 10 out of 10, 100% recommend. Like, it's not even a recommendation. Like, you have to read this book to get a good level of success. I, I promise you the three books are fucking insane. He he has completely just laid out exactly everything that you need to know to grow a social media sort of business and everything and also to then sell a premium product alongside it. So before it, before this, I was just kind of making my YouTube videos and just kind of doing what I thought was you know the best case scenario, which was I was recording my YouTube videos. At the end of the video, I was saying, oh, if you want to get one-to-one -one coaching by me or if you want to buy my products, then you can go to the link in the description and you go to the link in the description and then there's like a shitty like spot uh, Shopify page where I'm selling my stuff. And I was, you know, like I made like a thousand pounds a month, 1,500, 1,700. And so it's not, you know, it's a full-time income it wasn't bad i followed the tips on this and immediately times that by three four five so i went from 1500 to 4300 to 13200 per month right and there's just so many different things in this it's fucking insane like this is a guy who was probably spent like a hundred million on like advertisement split testing and everything like this this stuff blows my mind it might take me a while to explain imagine the smallest change on a sales page can lead to the sale or not. Like, isn't that, doesn't that blow your mind? Imagine, okay, there's a sales page for my course. A certain, like, word, a font, a size, a, a um, the actual font, like, you know, the type of text that you have, that can completely change whether or not someone actually buys and so sales online, like online income and like, you know, digital selling is all just about increasing your conversion rate. So your conversion rate is just what percentage of people who land on your sales page actually check out. So a good conversion rate is like 5%, something like that, right? This is probably the guy who's tested the, like it out more than everyone else who's like fully come up with literally the exact format of your sales page. He made a software that he essentially promotes through these books called ClickFunnels. I don't use it because I had already like set up using Kajabi, which is like a different platform. If I was gonna start again, if for example, I lost everything, if I was gonna make a new business, or even if I was gonna make a new product, I'm gonna use ClickFunnels 100%. It's like the best thing that you can use right now. But ClickFunnels, it's kind of like a separate thing. It's kind of like the software that you use to actually host your website, your sales page to sell things. And it gives you the best settings out of every like website online. It gives you like the best settings to like split test things. But in .com secrets, traffic secrets, and expert secrets, he fully, fully goes into detail of exactly what you should do to grow your YouTube channel and your, your TikTok and your emails and everything. 
the gist is that you start off with like it, this is like marketing 101 right so you start off pick, thinking about the customer and who you could help who who could be your avatar so when i read this book for me like i really spent some time on it and it was younger hamza and it was a certain like period of younger hamza's life which i knew that i could help him the most and i knew that you know he really really like there's lots of people just like him then the idea is that you start to think okay in which area can you help them the most health wealth or relationships you start you know dialing down your message he teaches you like literally the formula to use for youtube and everything and of course like my formula in terms of YouTube scripts is better than his, but like his one is a very, very like high quality one to if you just suddenly read it and started a YouTube channel, you'd be miles ahead of like 90% of people anyway. Traffic secrets is all about increasing your traffic, increasing your audience, and then expert secrets is like this idea that you've already got the fundamental setup. Expert secrets like makes you more of an expert in your field. So you really, really begin to like give the best advice incredible three books literally so so high quality three books that it blows my mind that people who are into like you know social media businesses haven't read them yet the next book we have here is models by mark manson so mark manson is the guy who wrote this book there's not a lot not giving a fuck but he, he wrote this one first models by mark Ma manson attract women through honesty so this is, it's a fairly good book and I, and I listened to it, I didn't read it, but I, I listened to it and when I was going through it, I'm not going to lie, I realised like he's just fantastic at marketing. Essentially, the book got famous because he's he said the most important things to attract a woman is honesty and authenticity and vulnerability. Those are three things that you'd, you'd, you'd imagine like, that's not true, especially if you're into Red Bull, you'd be like, wait, honesty, authenticity, vulnerability, no, that can't be true. Essentially... He's, he's played a very, very clever game here where he's he's disguised the word vulnerability and honesty and authenticity as just confidence. It took me a while to realize, but once you kind of like, once the veils pull back, you realize the book's not really that special. He says, oh yeah, you should have the vulnerability. Like the most important thing is to have the vulnerability to go up and like kind of like express to a woman that you really like her, right? But that's just confidence. And of course, if he if the book was all about attract women through confidence, it wouldn't have done anywhere near as well. But because it's like attract women through vulnerability, it's kind of like an interesting topic. And, you know, it's got so many guys talking either way. It's a very solid book. And it's one of those where like it's a quite a it has a very, very, very healthy approach to it, which the red pill generally doesn't. So when I was re I was listening to the book and I used to think like, you know what? If I read, if I listened to this book years ago, things would have been very, very different. This book, along with a couple of like fundamental red pill posts and like, you know, understanding would have like been all that I needed to really know. You can definitely go like too far into the red pill, which is what I've mentioned recently. And it's, it, it can be a beautiful thing. It can be like a very like eye opening thing when you do take the red pill. But the issue is that the red pill is very, very diluted by the people online. Like, you know, the red pill, like the fundamental is just like the fundamental beliefs that the rational male, uh, you, you learn from the rational male. But um, it's a pretty good book. Models attract women through honesty. What else do we have? The next one I have is Attached by Dr. Amir Levine. Attached. So this is a book on attachment styles. I've I mentioned this book a bunch of times, so I won't go too much into it. Your attachment styles is kind of like your dating personality. And we all have like a certain dating personality that's pretty much formed by the experiences that we had as children. Now, some people think that this is like too reductionist and they think like, wait, no, like, you know, just because your parents treated you in this way doesn't mean that you'll turn out this way. I completely disagree with those, those people. And the simple fact is like 90, 
probably more, 90% of people don't do any significant self-improvement to actually change like the deter whatever they were determined to be like due to their parents, like their upbringing. So chances are you included because you've probably been on self-improvement for like a year or two compared to, you know, 15, 17, 20, 22 years of life that you've had just passively going through life. Chances are you are extremely, extremely influenced by your childhood upbringing right now, but you don't even realize it. And, the, and of course, not only is that just all parts of life, but of course it's going to be in dating too. And so the things that you observed in your parents and how your parents loved you and how they loved each other, it's going to really, really make up your understanding of dating right now. And this isn't to say that you'll end up exactly like them, but generally a lot of people end up very, very, very similar, like scarily similar to their parents, even though they're so consciously sure that they are 100% sure they're not. There's, I won't go into too much detail, but there's like, there's three main attachment styles. There's secure, avoidant, and anxious. I'm naturally the anxious style. And essentially the purpose of this book and the purpose of like your dating life, if you are avoidant or anxious, is to just emulate the secure type till eventually you can like, you can embody the secure attachment. The secure attachment is kind of like healthy people who saw like healthy, loving relationship between their parents, which honestly is like, it's actually quite rare. Most people have experienced quite an avoidant parent. So like, you know, the dad who's always like working and he never shows love or the anxious where you got like abused by your parents or your parents abuse each other or they just kind of like, we're very like, your parents' mental health was fucked so they were shouting at all the time. So your sense of love is very fragile. And because of that, you act in a very, you act in like a very scarce way where you want to hold on to every love, every bit of affection that you can do. And of course, this is going to like really fuck up your dating life and your, like your sexual life as you get older because there's people who aren't good for you, but you kind of fall for them just because of the fact that there's a shred of affection there which is my life story <laughs> let's see what else do we have i have here the male advantage by chris sturmly sturm sturmy chris and i've got the the paper like that's my boy so this is chris's book from the youtube channel first man and it's a book the male advantage it's essentially a a book based on most of the topics that he talks about on his channel. The book is very small. You can literally read it in one sitting. It took me like two, two and a half hours to read it all. It's, if you've watched a bunch of his videos, so you might have like watched his videos, but if you've been like me, like I've went down his channel, I've watched like a lot of his videos, probably like 60 to 70% and he's got hundreds of videos. There's nothing like that new in the book. So it's like, you can choose which one. But for me personally, like I like, if there's a certain topic like I'm really interested in, I like revolving myself around it. So reading the book still made some things click, even though there was nothing exactly new in the book that he hasn't mentioned on, on his YouTube channel. But he's went like, it's in very good detail in a bunch of these. So I lent this book to my friend and he's the one who's like added all this stuff. But there was a certain bit that I messaged Chris about as well. Um, where was it now? It's really good. I'm not going to lie. Like when I'm flicking through it right now, it's like there's a bunch of just nice learning lessons that you can constantly just come back to. So if I open a random page like here, yeah. he talks about the Darwinian male concept. So he's mentioned this on his YouTube videos all the time, but he's kind of going into detail by saying like, you know, what, what was once expected, what was once praised is now ex expected. <coughs> And things have gotten harder for men, especially in the dating market. So we have to be doing more things. It's a very, very good book. It's a very, 
it's a very like digestible book, the ebook as well I read when I was in Portugal. <clears throat> the next one I have is Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. This one is the audio book. I've got the actual book as well. I've mentioned this book recently a couple of times and I made a video about it, so I won't mention it too much. The book is all about self-image and the fact that whatever we play in our mind heavily influences our self-image. The I won't go too much because I've explained it a lot, but the, the general gist in terms of just practicality of what exactly you should do is just constantly make sure you're improving your self-image in your mind. The way you see yourself is incredibly important. And he goes through a bunch of things, but the two things I like the most is visualizations and success memories. Visualizations. Visualize a realistic reasonably unreasonable end goal of the thing that you want so for example if there's a cute girl there every guy will it, who you know wants to go speak to her the majority of guys will say like oh i don't want to speak to her you know because they're just fucking virgins and they don't know like they can go up speak to a girl but like of the guys who would go and approach her before they go to speak to her they're thinking about what to say the issue is that whatever you think in your mind, your body and your personality conveys. And so you go up to her as the guy who's kind of, you know, a bit hesitant. You go up to her as the guy who's overthinking about what to say to her, which, which isn't like that attractive. Whereas if you just, instead of thinking what to say, but if you just focus on the mental picture of her, the end point that you want. So the end point in this like reasonably unrealistic scenario is maybe you guys going on a spontaneous date, or at the very least, you know, she's like handing you her, your phone with her number with like a sexy smile on her face. You just focus on that. Because now when you go up to it, even though you haven't prepared a fucking script, not only like not preparing the script is going to make you better because you're not talking like a robot, but two, you're going to go up as the personality of the guy who's already gotten her number. So it's a very, very like different atmosphere, like different personality as you go up. And success reminders are just nice and simple. Just constantly just remind yourself of the successes that you've had because you'll, you'll just keep yourself in like feeling like a winner and you'll, you just get so much easier into a flow. This is the kind of shit that like, that Ryan Holiday would probably disagree with, like, you know, the Stoics amongst us and the philosophers would disagree with and they'd say, no, there's value in being negative and, you know, there's value in, like, not feeling like a success. And they're absolutely right in terms of growth, but day-to-day, -day, I'm not going to lie, forget all that. Day-to-day, -day, bro, I, I want to feel good. Day-to-day, -day, I want to, like, feel, like, I want to remind myself of the good things that I've done so that I feel good and I'll, I'll get more into a social flow. But if, for example, I remind myself, oh, yeah, like, you approached, like, 10 girls last week, then I'm more likely to go and approach this 11th one. Instead of thinking, like, oh, wait, let me be humble. The ego is there anyway. Like, fuck all that, bro. The <laughs> Sorry, Brian Holiday. The next one I have over there is a audiobook, Hard Times Create Strong Men by Stefan Arnio. This, so it's an audiobook. This is a long-ass audiobook. I listened to it over months. It's 26 hours long. I, I believe the book's like hundreds and hundreds of pages. This is a fantastic book, and it's, it's literally... It covers so many different areas of life. It literally is just, it kind of answers the question of like, what does it mean to be a man? What is masculinity? How do you become like a man-man? What's wrong with today's society? It gives you lessons from history, lessons from like philosophy, and it predicts some very scary things. So in the next video of the Hamza Filter channel, I'm going to be speaking about this book. It's taken me a while to kind of like distill it down into my mind and actually you know, I really think about it, but it's quite some scary shit because there's a certain pattern that happens in nations in history, which is that good times create weak men. And that's the time that we're in right now when you can see that weak men are being created, but this time is almost over. Weak men create hard times.
I think that's going to start any, like, we're going through some hard times eventually, like, soon. And I think maybe within, maybe this year, maybe within two, three years, we'll officially feel like we're in the hard times where resources will be scarce. There'll be, like, a lot more turmoil in, like, inner, inner cities and everything. Um, weak, so what is it? It's good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. This book, honestly, it, it kind of like re, it gave me like a paradigm shift because I realized like perhaps one of the most important things that we can be doing right now as young men is, is to become strong because good men create, uh, hard times create strong men, which is probably going to be soon. And so right now we're in the good times. Like every need that you have is like ticked off in a sense, but we are branching to the hard times, right? You can have this call to action right now and you can become one of these strong men because strong men create good times and you're gonna have a good fucking time if you're one of those strong men if you're like the warrior in times of uncertainty if you're the the scientist in times of pandemics and shit you're gonna be the one who reaps the fucking rewards of that it's time to be like ready for this shit like this book fully just it makes you really look at like like our lives in these like you know privileged countries and everything with a second lens and of course there's probably someone watching this who doesn't live in a first world country but at least for me like i've only ever lived in like the uk really like i was born in pakistan we, we, we moved here when i was quite young so i don't I've, i only know like a first world western white nation which is very very safe and like friendly and every, of course like we went through racism and shit but like it's it's very very safe there's no wars or any bullshit like that and i think things are going to change quite dramatically i think we are headed into like the hard times and so why not just get like a, a run-up why not just start running right now getting used to becoming a strong man before you actually need to be the next book here is, is traffic secrets so we just mentioned that with dotcom secrets that's the trilogy i have here the rational mail this is the religion one i've not read this one but there's we'll go through the rational mail in general so the rational mail is the in fact, the, the Rational Mail, I actually read it when I first came back here. So May 2020, I read it about that time and I actually got the book. So I, I was like red pill for like years, but I never bothered to even read the, the Rational Mail. I just kind of thought the red pill was the subreddit. And the book is hard to read. I'm not going to lie. The author, Rolo Tomasi, has like a very, very like, he writes like a bit of a dick. I'm not going to lie. Like not, not even like offensively or anything. It's just like he uses like just fucking huge words and like quite hard to understand grammar. He's maybe he's probably like a very intelligent guy or something, but it's like a very hard to read book. And it's one of those where like, even though I've recommended it to bare people and they've like tried to read it, pretty much everyone puts the book back down because it is like, it's just incredibly hard to read his writing style. And you can kind of get like a distill, distillation of his book on, you know, the subreddit and everything. But if you commit to reading the Rational Mail, the, the first book, and I've read the second one and the third one, the the value you get is immense again it's one of those concepts where you might already understand the topic but when you revolve your life around it when you're reading a book for a couple of hours a day like you you take it seriously so i was reading this book when i first moved back and it was just hitting me of like how truthful this was it was kind of like i just got red pilled again like properly so all the previous times where i thought i was red pilled from age 17 or 18 it was more in like a pickup artist sense where i just kind of learned how to get girls and i learned some basic shit like you know like um alpha fox beta bucks one and everything but it was from these books that i actually started to like learn like yo this shit goes deep this isn't just about picking up women this is like literally 
discussing of how societies ran and the history of like male and female dynamics. This shit's important. The next one I have here is Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week. So Tim Ferriss was the one who made this one. Uh, no, sorry. This is the four hour work week. This book is the four hour body. I'm not going to lie. I don't really like this one. I really, really like Tim Ferriss's work. And I feel like I might be one of those haters who like hates on this book and stuff like it's unrealistic. But for this one, the four hour body, I, I haven't really like it. It's a bunch of like somewhat fast paced advice. And the idea is like the, the thing is the uncommon guide to rapid fat loss, incredible sex, and becoming superhuman. So it sounds it's very clickbaity. And in the back it says like, oh, like 15 minute orgasms and all this. And it, it, it's, it doesn't, for me personally, it didn't like deliver the value that it stated. Like a lot, when you get to the advice, it's one of those where you're like, like, nah, that's just, it's either not going to work or it's just one of those things like you're not going to be able to do it. So one of the random things is like, for example, he said, the best way to like make gains is literally to do like seven reps of, of two exercises and then go home and then not train for like three days. This that, that, that type of like, like new age bullshit where it's like, oh, he made this workout routine that like got him 30 pounds of muscle in a month. Okay, shut up, bro. Come on. Uh, do you know what I mean? It's one of those where it's like, if you're actually into fitness and shit, you know that that's just complete fucking bullshit. There's other things which is like, a lot of it's been disproven by like research, but there's other things which he says like where he's doubled his testosterone by eating like almonds and Brazil nuts. And whilst that does give you some of a boost, it, it's like, this is why, to be honest, I don't fuck with like research. I don't fuck, you know, people always ask me like, oh, cite the research. That's why I don't fuck with, because this guy, I know for a fact that he's done this in like a research where he, he's like fully the, the most popular human guinea pig in the world right now he's like you know he's like the the multi-millionaire guy who's who went through thousands of tests for all this got his blood taken his like all this you know like the scientific shit right but it's just so simple to so not i'm not saying he manipulated the the research but it's so simple to just have research that proves you right or proves you wrong so for example for the brazil for the testosterone like the main thing he did was like the brazil nuts and the almonds and you know some random bullshit right and the thing is if we take a normal healthy person give them some brazil nuts and almonds the testosterone is probably not going to go up significantly maybe like very very insignificantly right but of course his research proves that it went up by double now this makes you think okay but like Maybe he was just that like, dangerously low fat speed when he originally took his test. And that's like, there we go. This is why I don't fuck with like scientific research. Cause it's like, it's so easy to just get research that proves you right, proves you wrong. That he might've just been eating a very, very low amount of dietary fats and then he ate it. So now he's at a healthy level. So it's not so much that, you know, Brazil nuts double your testosterone. It's just more that his testosterone went down because for a little while, consciously or subconsciously, he just was at like a very low dietary fat macronutrients. I didn't personally like this book, to be honest. What else? We have, I've read 20% of this book called The 5am Club by Robin Sharma. This book's like really, really famous. This guy's really famous, Robin Sharma. He's like a big guy for like CEOs and rich people. Trash book. One of the worst ones I actually read. 29% like I, I got pissed off at it I'm not gonna lie I heard so many good things about this book it's this you know proper motivates you the 5 a, you know wake up at 5 a.m and like you follow this morning routine and everything and the way that it's written is just fucking horrendous I just got pissed off at it like instead of just telling you like you know like 5 a.m and everything it, like he walks you through like this fucking fake conversation but the, and it's like just shit right in as well the homeless man moved at the speed of an ancient turtle 
And then he turned his head, like, shut the fuck up, bro. Fuck you. <laughs> this was, a, and I, I like this one. The 10x rule by Grant Cardone. So Grant Cardone gets, like, a, quite a lot of flack as, like, a lot of, like, business gurus and, you know, success gurus do. They they get flacked by broke people. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it seems to me, like, the people who hate, like, these people, and they'll be like, oh, my God, they sell expensive courses. They, they, they do expensive motivation. Shut the fuck up, bro. That's a, the, He literally is worth almost 100 million, so just shut the fuck up. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I dislike the people who dislike that idea of, like, oh, online gurus. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, I don't know. Maybe because I'm, like, potentially i don't know i wouldn't really class myself as a guru but i feel like i could be like classified as one by like someone who doesn't like me and they're like oh look, here's another self-improvement guru who's charging for courses and stuff but at least this book it helped me he gets a lot of flack and so i was quite hesitant to read this book but i also kind of knew that the people who kind of criticize people like this like ultra wealthy people who are given like motivational like you know like this tony robbins and all this I've always known the people who criticize them are just pussies because it's just that thing of like, oh, there's, there's a guy who's worth 100 million. Like, he must be scamming people. Shut, just shut the fuck up. The 10x rule is it's kind of like a basic success book. So it's just really nice to hear like the learning lessons from someone who's very successful, very wealthy, who's got multiple companies, who's also got like a loving family home and everything. And you just kind of get like a bunch of his wisdom. There's not so much that I can be like, you know, I can particularly say to you. But what the, the general idea he says is, Pick your goal, which is like very, very reasonable, times it by 10, and then also times by 10 the amount of effort that you're willing to put in, and that's the best case scenario. So he says like people just sell themselves too short, they, they choose goals that are too weak, and then of course they're not motivated to do that. He says pick a goal, make the goal 10 times bigger, so that's hugely motivational, but then also make your output, or your input, sorry, 10 times bigger as well, which is like a nice idea. I disagreed with the idea of like, oh yeah, like, you know, um, 10 times your effort, because I don't believe the effort equals output i don't believe that 10 times effort equals 10 times output i think it's like 10 times effort equals 1.5 times output in my opinion if you um if if you've got the right type of business like i've been doing we have here how to do the work by dr nicole lipera i've mentioned that book a lot it's, it's a very um it's a, it's a good introduction to trauma and like childhood wounds and there's just a bunch of like advice in it in and like stories on shit like abuse you may have experienced as a child and then how to um heal from that so some of the random ones that i can remember right now is reparenting so that's like a the book's literally all about like the work that you can do to heal from your trauma so like one of the things she says is reparenting we start to kind of feel like you're now reparenting your inner child so we all have like an inner child inside of us that still like hurts from the wounds that he may have went through from childhood if you've got like abused by your parents and the idea is that you you parents that inner child the way that it should have you know you you give it the love the unconditional love and like the attention that it needs it explains a bunch of concepts like dissociation, flashbacks and everything. So it's a very good introduction into trauma. So the, I think, it, yeah, it's the first book that I read about trauma. And I'm glad that I really did that. We've got The Charisma Myth by Olive, Olivia Fox Cabane. Cabane. The, the Charisma Myth. Very, very good standard kind of social skills book. A bit more advanced this book actually goes into things like presence and mindfulness which is very nice because that's incredibly important in social skills the idea is charisma is like the skill 
that you really like the best skill in social skills is like being it's like this magnetic personality where you're confident but you're also warm but you're also powerful so imagine that it's like it's someone in a powerful position who you look up to but who's who's like warm and loving to you that's like charisma but he's also like to everyone right everyone seems to love him he seems to love everyone that's a charismatic person he walks in and everyone's talking to him right you want to be like that type of guy and this book breaks down the ways to like become more charismatic but also in detail of like the different types of charisma and everything it's quite an advanced look at the skill of charisma the things that i can remember from it is that there's th there's three pillars of not three pillars but there's like three things that influence your level of charisma and that is presence power yeah presence power and warmth Presence is like mindfulness because you can't be charismatic if you're constantly distracted. You can't be charismatic if, for example, we're having a conversation and I like day start daydreaming. That's very anti-charismatic. Power, you need to have like a level of like power and status in the situation to be seen as charismatic. Because if you don't have that, if you've got presence and warmth, you're, just, you're kind of like a nice person, but you're not like important. So we don't really value your presence and warmth unless if you've got power. And so this is the interesting one. Most people who have power don't have either of these maybe they have power maybe they maybe they have power and presence but they usually don't have warmth and so that's like you know the kind of like the cold leader and we still like the cold leader but the guy who also has warmth alongside that is that's like the best case scenario the warmth is kind of like they treat you nicely so you can so you can like implement this into your life you can start meditating and do exercises that bring you back to the present moments when you're in a conversation you know take it seriously think about the sensation of being sat look into the person's eyes power is the things you kind of do outside of the situation so you want to bring up your social status in the environment that you're in as well as just sort of convey that social status by things like your body language your dress sense and then warmth is just kind of like being nice to people very very good if you can improve all three you really really stop getting like liked by people we have the Body Keeps the Score by... Where is it? The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. So I listened to it on audiobook and I bought this book as well. This is a very, very in-depth view at trauma trauma and PTSD. So this book, I'm not going to lie, it is it is a pretty good book. But one of the things I didn't realize is that this book is way, way more about just normal PTSD, which is like a one-time event. So if you've been assaulted, if you've been in a car crash or something like that, if you've been in like a traumatic event that has stopped and it was one time then this book like the book's really good anyway and it's really really interesting it gives you like very very interesting stories about like people in vietnam and everything but it, it pretty much entirely focuses on just ptsd which for me personally isn't exactly what i have so if you've been like abused by your parents you, you or you know you had like repetitive assaults and everything you will most likely have complex ptsd where essentially imagine it's PTXD, but you're getting that traumatic event every few days when you're getting like beat by your parents or you're getting like screamed out or something. So this book, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of like, um, what's that word? Anticlimactic for me, where I was getting to the end and I realized like a lot of the things he suggested was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty good and everything, but it wasn't really aimed towards me. I still really enjoyed the book. It really captivated my attention and I still took quite a few learning lessons from it and it gave me the advice of um, starting yoga, which I've done. And it has actually got some very good advice because the things that really helped me in my, my own sort of trauma healing is what he's mentioned. So he's mentioned martial arts, weightlifting, meditating, journaling as well. We have The Way of the Superior Man by David Dida. 
data. That one right there. This is a very, very good book. It's very interesting and it's very, um, uh, it's a very, it's, it's kind of hard to read in a sense, but not with like words, but it's one of those where it's like, you're supposed to, re you'll read like a chapter or a paragraph and you sit there and you contemplate it. And it's this idea of like becoming like a superior man. And it's a very interesting thing. So one of the first key points he says is like, breathe properly, breathe into your stomach, expand your stomach, take up some room and you breathe and everything. But it goes on to like even explain semen retention before it was even popular online. And it says like, you should be, you should like, a weak man ejaculates essentially, even when he's having sex. He's like, he, he gives you teachings on how to stay on semen retention, especially when you're having sex. And it's like, actually, when you follow that advice, I'm not gonna ask fucking incredible. So I, I don't think I need to say anything more about this book, The Way of the Superior Man. It's also got a bunch of, it, there's chapters on like, on loving women, there's chapters on like philosophy, on making money, on work and the soul and everything. So it's literally just like, how do you become like a, a an advanced man, not so much like, you know, the 1% type of man that like me and Chris from First Man talk about where we talk about money and stuff. This is more about like that level of like masculine enlightenment. We're almost at the end now. So this book was supposed to be near the start, but it's The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. Right there in the middle. So this is a very good book. It, it was the book I read after How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was one of the first books I got on my Kindle. And it was recommended in the end of this book by the four hour work week. So Tim Ferriss mentions this, uh, the magic of thinking big at the end. And it's just, it's really is the title of the book is just kind of think bigger. Stop setting these small goals. Stop living this small life and start like thinking bigger. Start like setting some big ass fucking goals because I like, I am so grateful that I read this shit, you know, still to this day, people talk to me about like my goals and they kind of like, like my friends and they kind of like say it in like a funny way. Like, oh, but you've, you've read the magic of thinking big. So I bet you've already like, you're already planning to hit like a million subscribers or something. I'm telling you right now, we are where we are on the channel because of this book and because of this idea i am where i am in my physique because of this concept of course I, I only read this book like a year and a half ago and you know i started my physique years ago but i've always been like a fairly big thinker one of the things recently like i forgot what it was but it's like as soon as i start something new like for example kickboxing i think big straight away and i'm thinking like yeah like i, I could pro probably like go into the ufc or something like that like you should you should have that mindset that's reasonably unreasonable. Now, of course, I'm not saying I'm going to go to the UFC and win right now. But the idea is, like, yeah, like, if I wanted to, I could do. Of course, I'd, I'd train almost every day and I'd train for, like, years first. But you've got to think that it's possible. Hang on, my camera's going to die again. Okay, that is the second battery that we've rinsed through for this video. So, the next book here is Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving by Pete Walker next to my thumb right there. So this is a book that I've recently been speaking about on my channel, like over the last month or so. And this is like the book that I actually, fuck, this is the book that I really re needed to read because it's all about complex PTSD and this, like that's the shit that I have. So if you're somewhat like me and you got beat by your parents and you got like fucking abused for years through your childhood, then this is the type of like knowledge that you need. I found that a lot of books on like mental health don't actually talk about childhood abuse at all when in fact i think that child abuse is probably the most common yeah i think child abuse is the biggest reason for adult mental health problems but it's just one of those like undiscussed things that like you know people are so certain that they're not like holding trauma from their childhood when they actually are 
I can't give too much advice because I'm, I'm not done reading it just yet. I'm about halfway through. But it's, there's a bunch of like very like small snippets of advice. So one of the random ones that I've mentioned previously on a video on this Hamza Unfiltered channel is the value of like angering, of venting, of like, you know, reclaiming your aggression that was stomped out of you, that was like beaten out of you as a child. So if you've had a similar dynamic to me where like you got hurt, you know, you got beat by your parents or something by something. But then if you got angry about that, if you kind of voiced your, you know, aggression, your resentment for it, you got beat again. It's kind of like your ability to be angry has been so stomped out that you would actually get value in being angry at how you were raised. It's very interesting topics and I'm not going to lie, like I started reading it a while ago and then moved on to some other books. I feel like I've got to reread it and really kind of grasp it because it, it's quite a huge, huge topic to, to be thinking about. Every single time I read it, it was just quite mentally draining. I, I feel like I grew a fair amount, but I also feel like I somewhat resented like trying to process a lot of this stuff at once because I was, I was doing therapy and everything at the time as well. So this is a book that I've just recently started reading, or recently read, sorry. And I pretty much read, usually I, I read 10 different books at once. So I'm, I've got 10 different books open and whatever I feel curious for, I'll read. This book, I opened it and literally like read it start to finish. It was one of those books for me. And the book title is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Essentialism. Fantastic book. This is the type, this book like is what I needed at the time. This was literally just two weeks ago or so. And the basic idea, we do way too much in this modern day. We're so focused on so many different things and that that diversifies us, which feels like a good thing, but it also just spreads you out too thin. So it's like this certain image where like you can go one centimeter, like one little bit in like 10 different directions. And essentially you're a complete noob or you know, you're not, you're not anything special in any of these, or you can go one big line in one direction, one topic. So the idea is instead of trying to do 10 different things, some motherfuckers online, like I literally see them boast about the fact that they've got like seven companies or some bullshit. Shut the fuck up, bro. How about you make one company successful? Dumbass. But that's like the reason why I was able to build this body is because I did nothing else first. I, I started 2014, I believe, and the only productive thing I was doing was just building this body alongside, like, you know, trying to learn how to speak to girls and stuff. That was it. If I tried to do all of this at once, if I tried to build this body, the mental health, the business, and everything, I wouldn't have done any of them. I would have been so subpar in all of them. Too many guys are doing way too much. And in terms of tasks as well, this has really changed up a lot for me recently. I realized like he drills in this thing of you. Um, the author says like, you have a highest point of contribution in a certain task. Do that and do nothing else. For me, it's obvious, right? It's the videos. But I was doing a fair, like I was spending more than like half an hour to an hour on Discord on my Discord server. I fucking moderating it. I've got like so many moderators who are like happy to do the role. And I was moderating it myself. And I was like going through every single chat and every making sure that no one's chatting shit about me and shit. And, um... The same with like the podcast that I've, like every podcast that I've done in a while, apart from like the one with Chris, because that felt like I was speaking to a friend and we were just fucking around. But every one that I've had people come onto my podcast, I've resented it. Like I couldn't be bothered because I just realized like that's not what's important right now. Eventually I will get into podcasting like kind of like full time and it'd be awesome to do that. But right now it's not something that I'm interested in. So I cut it out. So all you motherfuckers who've been telling me, how's it get on TikTok? Shut the fuck up. Get on TikTok. It's not essential podcast fucking live streams it's not essential so i'll do it when it's fun but i'm not gonna set that thing of like oh you know the, the, everyone is gonna tell you there's some other thing that you can do it's a skill and it's a discipline to be an essentialist 
to listen to that fucking like to listen to you know someone tell you oh there's this good opportunity and for you to think nope it's not it's not essential there's a fantastic quote from this that i wrote on my wall and you know if i've wrote something on my wall i've stuck it on my fucking wall you know that it's like there's some value in that so you see that every almost everything is noise I love that. Almost everything is noise. When I read that quote and he's telling me like, yeah, most of the things that you're doing is just noise and you're just kind of like, it's a distraction from the things that matter. I was like, holy shit, like I'm actually like, he's totally right. I'm reading every comment on YouTube. I'm like, I'm just spending so much fucking time just doing stuff that doesn't matter. All that matters for me is the videos. That's it. That's all, that's all that matters. The videos on the main channel, videos on this channel, that's it. Nothing else matters. As long as these videos keep you know, the videos are good, you guys like them, and they keep performing well. Everything else is, like, sorted. I can spend way more time on, like, the fucking Discord server or doing live streams or podcasts, but the thing is, if the videos slip, so do those things. So why not just put your time directly into them? And this essentialism, along with deep work and the four-hour work week, it drastically reduces how much time you need to do your work tasks. And so people have asked me, like, what do you do in your free time? Whatever I want. I spent hours in the gym. I take long rest breaks. I just sit in the sauna. I just go in the pool. I spent like a solid three and a half hours like in the gym area, like the gym, sauna and pool and getting changed and everything. I sit around, I read for like two hours a day. I meditate, I journal. I do a lot of thinking instead. I do a lot of resting. I dedicate like 10 to 11 hours of sleep. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm fucking destroying any, any, I don't think that there's much competition right now because I, my competition are sleeping like six hours a day because they're working so much. They think that they're winning right now because they're working. They don't realize that the, the real work of like the knowledge worker, the person who uses his brain for like to produce, which is what we're doing here, like for most of us, the real like thing that makes you good at what you do is sleeping for more than eight hours a night. It's eating clean. It's spending time with your friends. So oftentimes I do tell people, yeah, like I work like, couple of hours a week three to five hours something like that out per week and they, they either don't really believe me or they, they think i'm taking a piss or they're like oh no that that, that would be depressing because like i wanted to work more than that i'd be bored but it's like it's it's my choice now this video is going to be one and a half hours long so of course like this week my work hours are going to be longer but it's like it's my choice to be here i'm not being forced to i'm not i'm, I'm not obligated to make this video that's such a beautiful way to live life. And because I've cut down, because I've become an essentialist and I'm not doing some random bullshit other tasks like checking your fucking emails. Look at my YouTube uh, profile picture on my main channel. Look at the, the channel art. Still, my sister comes to me and says, oh, you know, it's too old. You've got to change it. Here's some ideas. And says, no, it's not essential. The fact that those, like, I've built this success. We've got 200K uh, subscribers and it's going up fast. With that shitty profile picture shows you, like, it doesn't make a difference. Anyone who's spending a fucking hour, some people spend longer than that, but an hour making their fucking YouTube logo or some bullshit, they're not going to be successful because they're focused on the stupidest, most useless part of the business instead of the highest contribute, the highest point of contribution, which is the actual video. That's where I put my time. So even though I only work for a few hours a week because I've become so essential, it's like the rest of my life, the rest of the, the 128 hours or whatever, however many hours there are in the day, in the week, revolve around those videos so instead of me being sat like a fucking caveman spending hours extra just doing low quality work i go out into real life i go and do things with friends i go on dates with girls and that's the thing that actually gives me way more like that's the thing that makes better videos for me 
it's a very interesting topic, which I think a lot of people still disagree with, but at least for me, this concept of essentialism, of the four hour work week, of, of highly reducing your work tasks so you can live more and you can fuel those small work hours has been incredible incredibly life-changing. Greg McEwen has a second book that I've got here called Effortless. Mm, that one there. Focus, bitch. <laughs> yeah, Effortless. Uh, this book is not as good as the first one. It, it kind of has like a very similar concept, but this one is more about the fact that it should just be like quite easy to do work. So literally this was, this was unfortunately one of those books Effortless. So Effortless is like the second book next to Essentialism by the same author, Greg McEwen. This was one of those books that unfortunately it was a, it was a let down and it was kind of like one of those where it was just like a one sentence summary, which is like, yeah, like your work should be effortless. It should feel like play. That's it. You don't need to really know much, much else. I think maybe there would have been more learning lessons, but at least for me personally, a lot of the book was just kind of shit that I either knew or I just read from his previous book. Here we have Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art by James Nestor, next to my thumb. So that's the book that I mentioned aligned with The Oxygen Advantage. I personally prefer Breath. So Breath had a way better sort of storytelling. And it's the story of this scientist who voluntarily signed up to do the study on himself, where he blocked his nose and he just mouth breathed for like two weeks. His health deteriorated incredibly fast. So it's very, it's a very, very interesting story that like it's, it's wrote in a very funny way and everything. So you'll probably enjoy reading it. And um, he just goes into like so much like detail of the 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 shit that happens if you breathe from your nose from your mouth instead of your nose. And there's so many good quotes from literally like you know like Chinese provinces like two thousand years old and everything, where they're mentioning like the dangers of breathing from your mouth and like you should only ever breathe from your nose. It's so interesting. Like this was this was literally how humans have lived for so long and only in the last like hundred years we've really fucked it up and i really like the fact that he brought in so much history with it the tldr of this book is what i mentioned before the perfect breath he says is five seconds in 5.5 seconds in 5.5 seconds out nice and slow through the diaphragm and obviously through the nose as well we have infinite game um, the Infinite Game by fuck. The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, next to my thumb there. This is I only read like fifty percent, probably less. I I literally just needed to skim it just to get. It's one of those books where you just needed to get like the idea, and like once you've got the idea, like the rest of the book's not that great in my opinion. But the idea was play the Infinite Game in the in the stuff that you do instead of the finite game. So finite game. I, to be honest, once you kind of understand it, it, kind of like, I was like, oh yeah, well that's common sense, but at least the idea is, okay, let's say in my example, the finite game is me thinking, oh yeah, like, you know, the the, the thing that we're trying to do, the, th the only thing we care about is hitting 500k subs or 1 million subs, that's like finite, and essentially once you hit that, you're just going to be going more and more. The infinite game is kind of like thinking of purpose instead and thinking of like the meaning of all this, so it's not so much, you know, the 500k subs, it's just helping as many like young men as we can. The issue why I got disinterested in this is because the way to do this best to achieve that purpose, like he said, is to set milestone goals like the 500k subs so you know that you're going in the right direction. So it's like, it's it's kind of like, oh, like, 
well, I guess I'm doing, you know, you're doing everything right then anyway. It's like, just have purpose behind what you're doing and also view it as like an infinite thing. So this idea that if, for example, YouTube deletes my channel, it that this would still be my purpose. I would just, I would continuously fulfill this purpose of helping young guys with self-improvement, with dating, with fitness, with mental health, but I'd do it on a different avenue. I'd, I'd be a pedophile and hop on TikTok or something. So it's kind of like a disappointment. Once I got that realization, I was like, oh, this book's kind of dead then because the whole point, they were telling you, it was like, okay, forget those finite goals, forget you know, the goals of 500k and everything. Then eventually it was like, oh yeah, the best way to measure if you're achieving the purpose is with those finite goals anyway. So it was a bit dead, but at least it did kind of like click something for me where I was like, oh yeah, like just bear in mind that this is infinite. Even if YouTube deletes my channel, I'm still gonna be doing the same work. So just make sure you're always holding this purpose with the intent to like help people. We have Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. So this is a staple. I've read, I haven't read completely, but I've got all three books. Ego is the enemy, stillness is the key, and which, which is the other one? The obstacle is the way. I'm not going to lie, I don't really like them that much. Because for me personally, it's kind of like, I just need to read the title. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, like I can adopt what he's about to say. He just get, it's one of those where he, like he gives you a bunch of examples and like he breaks it down into like different criteria. So for ego, it's broken down into like the actions that you can do, the choices that you can make and everything. And, you know, it's really nice having stories because I guess it's similar to the how to win friends uh, argument that I made anyway. But it's kind of like once you read the title, you kind of know, oh, yeah, like ego is the enemy. You kind of just need to understand what the ego is and think, OK, let me just make sure that I stay humble and I, I keep humility. And so... It hasn't been incredibly, like the book hasn't been that great in terms of, I've read like 42% of it, but just kind of keeping in mind to keep my ego in check has been probably like very, very helpful there. I think that's pretty much it. I'm literally on like the books that I'm currently reading. So I'll show you these. The book that I literally just finished today is The Almanac of R Naval Ravikant by Eric Jorgensen. And Tim Ferriss wrote the foreword of that. But this is a book distilling this guy's advice. So his name is Naval Ravikant. He's like a very famous, very, very successful, very wealthy, but also very happy guy. And it's quite a mix to have. Usually you'll see someone who's really happy, but not so much money. Or you'll see one, someone who's really, really wealthy, but not so happy. This guy's the mix of both. And so essentially this is like his wisdom on how to build wealth and how to build happiness. I'll be completely honest, the happiness section was very, very anticlimactic for me, kind of fell off. But the wealth section, especially the, the tweets that he's goes through, the first like 20 pages of this book was like life change. I was literally sat there like getting goosebumps and everything, trying to like, you know, figure this shit out. After that, I feel like I just kind of like skimmed it because it wasn't so important. And it, I felt like, at least for me personally, it felt like a bunch of the book was kind of like all over the place. But there was a bunch of good learning lessons in the first like 20 to 30 pages, which I really appreciated. The book that I'm reading right now, so there's multiple books. One of them is The Imper the Appearance of Power by Tana Guzzi. The Appearance of Power. And it's, I'm literally just a few pages in, but it's about the concept of how to look more powerful through your appearance and what you wear. So I'm literally just a few pages in, so I can't give you too much advice, but it has been recommended to me a couple of times. And I think it is very important. There's a quote, which I'm just going to uh, say in my words, because I can't remember exactly, but it, it was that... 
to improve your social status and also how you feel about yourself, the fastest and cheapest way is to improve your fashion, your wardrobe, which I really like. That's 100% true. We, we talk so much about the importance of like looks maxing and self-improvement. It's 100% like, you know, your appearance is so fucking important in these days. Then why not just improve your appearance for a hundred dollars with like a new outfit, which actually like really looks good, looks powerful and everything. And like, I completely agree with that. I'm reading another book called The Way of Men by Jack Donovan. This is a book which explains the question of what is masculinity. So I'm 10% into the book right now and it's based on uh, masculinity is kind of defined as we are in gangs. So we are in like, we're supposed to be in like gangs and tribes. And so masculinity is def defined in that sense. But now that we, we aren't really in tribes anymore, masculinity is very like, diverse it's open to assumption it's kind of like fucked up in a sense and it's interesting so far i'm liking like the the rawness of the book i'm like liking the fact that it's, you know it's a book about masculinity it's a book about like brotherhood and everything and you, those books are somewhat like rare for them to actually be like good books usually like the authors for those books are kind of weird but i like this guy we have there's a couple more books as well um i'm not going to mention a couple of these because i'm not really liking a couple of them but the final one is Courage is Calling by Ryan Holiday. And it's kind of similar to the previous books of his Ego's Enemy and everything. Which, um, this is like his first book of a new series which he's doing on virtues. Courage is defined as the ability to do something that still scares you. Which I really like. It's like knowing that even if you feel a sense of fear, you can still go and do that thing. Which I think... At least for me personally, like the biggest thing that comes to mind with that is like approaching women and like getting over that fear of like approaching anxiety. And I feel like it's helping with that as well. I would say that's pretty much most of the books. This is a long ass video. I'm gonna have to edit this video as well because the battery died like four times, but I'm sure there's other books that someone will say, wait, you've read that other book as well. Like, what do you think about that? But these are the ones that I have here. Yeah. Mashallah. I do have Marcus Aurelius meditations here, but I'm not gonna lie, like I've never really got into it. It's not really my thing to be honest. Like I, I prefer the directness of like self-improvement books that just kind of like tell you the lesson, or at least like if someone was gonna distill Marcus Aurelius, I'm pretty sure Ryan Holiday is a book like that, but like for me personally I, I didn't like meditations. So I've just got that book lying around. But yeah, that is pretty much every book. It's as much as I can remember, as much as I've got right now, that's every book that's helped me. So I hope this video is somewhat valuable and I hope that someone in the comments has done like a timestamp of the books. Otherwise, you're just going to be sat here going through them all. Whew. That took so fucking long, mate. I've been recording this video for like more than two hours. <laughs> Do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. Mwah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.